going on so today we had another chain upgrade uh and i believe it went pretty smoothly so now there should be uh, a lot more supercharged pool liquidity pools live um we will have you know uh i think i'm not sure if the front end has been updated for it yet but you should be able to now start moving a lot more uh liquidity for basically every incentivized pool except for um uh atom osmo and usdc osmo will uh have been upgraded um and you'll be able to sort of migrate your liquidity to more concentrated positions uh keep in mind you'll be able to always keep you, you can still keep your liquidity in the classical pool if you'd like it will get treated as a full range position um except with a 5% discount on the rewards. So still some incentive to go upgrade to the supercharged pools, even if it's just uh, for full range reasons, uh, uh, full range position, you get slightly more rewards. Um, as part of this upgrade, we also have this new uh, 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 transaction type that will allow you to convert any LP position into staked Osmo. So whether you're in a locked position or a super fluid staked position, let's say you're in uh, Osmo Juno and you're in a super fluid stake for 14 days and you want to exit the liquidity pool position and instead you can basically, it, what it will do is it will break your super fluid lock temporarily, convert all the assets to Osmo, basically market by Osmo, um, and then uh, restake the Osmo for 14 days. So it has no impact on chain security because it can only increase the number of Osmo staked. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, for people who are facing impermanence loss, and especially as like with supercharged liquidity, you know, we expect that if you're a more passive LP, you're not actively managing your positions, uh, you know, your returns will probably, your APRs will probably start to go down and down. And so what we're building on the front end is like uh, as part of the notifications system, um, which is uh, went live yesterday, but I think we deactivated it temporarily just to fix some bugs. Um, I think associated with the Leap wallet, where it's like it just didn't work properly with Leap for some reason. So uh, we basically, uh, but you'll basically, if we'll detect that if your LP positions APR is lower than staking APR, you'll get a little notification and you can basically one-click upgrade your position into a staked Osmo position instead. Um, obviously optional uh, to you if you'd like to do that. Um, so yeah, that's, I think the sort of two biggest user-facing changes in this upgrade was mostly around the, uh, you know, 
getting these new getting all these new supercharged pools up and ready and adding and adding this new thing uh for the developers out there um there's some other stuff that got added in as well like uh token factory hooks which is uh you know basically now you can add cosmwasm logic to the transfer of uh your token factory token so that way now it basically completely matches the ux of a uh you know, a CW, uh, you, you, the full functionality that you would get with a CW20 token, you can now do with a token factory token. So there's basically no reason to ever need to use CW20s again. Um, now, what else? Uh, other things that are kind of, so yeah, that was today's upgrade. Uh, the front end will sort of up, upgrade, uh, Osmosis.zone front end will update to like support this probably sometime today. Uh, just doing some backend testing right now. Um, with the next upgrade, V18, the next, the next two, we're trying to do a very fast V18 upgrade proposal, probably within the next two weeks or so. Uh, but the two main things that will be in this one will be the protocol swap fee, which was approved by governance a few weeks ago. So, um, just a reminder, it's basically 15, it'll be a 15 bits protocol swap fee going to Osmo stakers, uh, on all swaps except uh, with, with, there'll also be a way for governance to decrease the protocol swap fee for uh, certain pairs, right? So like if you're swapping USDC to Tether, for example, taking 15 bips on a stable swap pair kind of makes it uncompetitive. So uh, governance will be able to reduce the swap, the, the number of bips on some of these lower, uh, you know, on, on pairs that they whitelist basically. And maybe, and, we can probably create like some sort of sub DAO system to, uh, so governance doesn't have to do this manually every single time, but we can, you know, one, one of the things we'd like to see generally is like, now that we have DAO DAO on osmosis, we should start to have governance delegate more of the, some of this like parameter adjustments style stuff to sub DAOs and have like veto capabilities on the sub DAOs, but like, you know, not so that we don't continuously keep overloading governance. This is like going to be a big focus for us right now where uh, we're on proposal number 500 or something uh, in two years of osmosis, which is kind of really crazy that we're able to get that much governance participation. But, you know, we need to prevent uh, governance burnout as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll be improved. We'll be kind of making some improvements to the governance module to enable this sub DAO delegation. Um, and then the, oh, so the other thing that will be in the V18 upgrade along with the protocol swap fee is this idea of volume splitting incentives. So today incentives have to go to a specific pool. Um, but what we're with this volume splitting incentives, what we can do is we can group pools into a group, let's call them, and we can put incentives on a group and then within the group, the incentives will automatically split based off of the volume going through each pool. So this will be useful for one, it, it'll be useful just for multiple pools of the same pair. So you could be like, hey, um, you know, we have we have three Atom Osmo pools, you know, they have different swap swap tier like spread factors, and we just want a volume split amongst them. That's that, that, that's an obvious use case, but what's really cool is we can also use this for even 
pools with different pairs. So what we could say is like, hey, we want this much incentives on Osmo paired with stable coins, but we don't care of whether it's like USDC or Tether, right? We, we, we're going to say, hey, we have, we're going to put X percent of Osmo incentives on Osmo stablecoin, and it'll, whether there's, if there's more volume going through Osmo Tether, it'll put more incentives there. If there's more volume going through Osmo USDC, it'll put incentives there. Uh, you could also do something with like staking derivatives, right? You can be like, hey, we want this much incentives for Atom staking derivatives, but you know, it'll volume split based off of whether it's going through Stride or Quicksilver or Persistence or any of the multiple staking derivative providers. So this basically makes it so instead of governance having to like constantly fine tune and make decisions about competing assets, it kind of lets us be less opinionated and let the market decide based off of like, you know, we will we'll drive incentives to bring liquidity to where volumes naturally are. Um, so yeah, those are sort of the big, big two things we have coming up on, you know, now that B17 is through, B18, that's the next two things that are, are scheduled probably in the next few weeks. Um, and then we, Another news as well, the, uh, our WBTC audit has just completed and it came out uh, clean. So uh, any, you know, some of the chain sleuths have already seen that there is a WBTC DAO that was created, uh, which will be the owner of it. So we have, you know, we're really happy to have uh, you know, a bunch of uh, good members as part of this DAO. It's the, the members right now are the Osmosis Foundation, uh, Wintermute, CoinList, Chorus One, Big Mint, and BitGo. BitGo, of course, right. BitGo is the main one. <laughs> uh, right. So, um, yeah. So we'll hopefully we'll be able to get WBTC native WBTC live on Osmosis in the uh, coming weeks as well, as along with the transmuter, which is the one to one. You know, the process that we've built for upgrading assets to new versions. Um, and there's probably going to be a lot of a uh, lot of uh, up token upgrades coming pretty soon. So we'll have the WBTC one. We'll have uh, Noble USDC. People have probably heard the news that the Cosmos USDC is happening. So that's um, you know that is, we'll be ready for that. Uh, I suggest my my, uh, my proposal is that we should probably use uh, Composable just launched their Polkadot IBC implementation, and so. Uh, I think we should use, we should kind of do Composable's dot as the first upgrade. So we'll upgrade from the Axelar bridge dot from Moonbeam in, into uh, Composable's IBC dot and kind of use that as a good testing ground to test this whole upgrade process. And if that works smoothly, then we'll, uh, you know, we'll be a little bit more confident going into some of these larger token upgrades like WBTC and USDC and tether and whatnot as well so uh that's yeah you know the part a lot, lot of new token upgrades coming in the coming weeks as well so that's sort of another thing that we're focused on and trying to make sure the ux is really solid around so it goes smoothly um yeah i think those are some of the main updates that we have right now from the osmosis dev team uh, one question back on the um the the share uh, the sharing of the fees going to stakers is this going to be shared in kind or will it be swapped into osmo or um there is the 
the protocol fee, it's uh, it's all there in the uh, gov prop right now, but the idea is that it will be uh, swapped into the quote asset of every trade and then distributed in kind in the quote asset. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a lot of things are pretty soon to come, especially with the big uh, USDC, you know, uh, Twitter announcements, all these six new ecosystems coming in the, in the next two months. Um, so I think a lot of big things are coming and it's going to be very exciting. Uh, so I think we can hop over with the Celestia team and the Shogun team, if that is all from your side, Sonny. Um, yeah, I think that's some of the, yeah, that, that's main, most of the main stuff for now. Cool. Uh, okay, then on the Celestia side, uh, could you guys introduce yourselves and then we'll turn it over to Shogun next. Hey, uh, I'm Evan. I'm a Celestia core dev. Uh, I mainly work on our fork of Comet BFT, so that's Celestia core the application on top, and then um, I've been fortunate enough to do a, a little tiny bit of work on the data availability side and even Rollkit, which is how we build rollups. And uh, I also run a validator on Osmosis called Uncle Ed. We're sort of at the bottom Uncle of the barrel Ed. right now. But what, what rank are you right now? Yeah. Oh, really low. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, tell us about ZK Fart. What is, uh, where did this come from? Um, I think it was... Uh, from a long time ago, I was whenever I first learned about uh, ZK proofs, I, I kind of had my mental model about it was like the first um, ZK proof was sort of some cavemen in a cave and someone farted, but it was quiet. Ah, so instead of, yeah, no one could tell who farted, but everyone could tell that someone did, in fact, fart. Wow. This is a great analogy. I think I'm going to have to start using it. I think Dave might approve of this one. Okay, well, great. Thanks for uh, telling us about the ZK Fart story and uh, a little bit about yourself. Um, Marcus? Yes, hi. Um, this is Marcus. I'm the CTO uh, for the Shogun Project um, and lead developer as well. Awesome. And was there someone else from the yeah. Celestia side speaking today? Or Shogun side? Yeah, so yeah, hi, my name is Rahul. I'm uh, the business lead at uh, Shogun. Um, my background is in uh, uh, investing in the space. Worked at a few different crypto native hedge funds, um, and I've been a DeFi researcher within Cosmos for uh, two years. Um, and yeah, we have uh, one more uh, lead spot. Roland who's trying to get a speaking spot, but I think it's a little buggy. But yeah, that's yeah. the three of us. Yeah, always buggy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Roland can uh, make it in. We'll try and get him at it again. Otherwise, we can get started. Um, you know, Sunny, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe let's start with Shogun. Um, can you maybe give a back summary of like what what is Shogun and how does it? Uh, what is it going to do for the interchain DEX ecosystem? For sure, yeah. So what we sort of envisioned as one of the bigger gaps in the interchain and just like any sort of roll-up ecosystem is uh, smart order routing. So um, similar to what you have uh, on, you know, like Tau Swap and 1inch on a monolithic setting, um, you know, you 
there there needs to be uh, more efficiencies in terms of using all the liquidity in the interchain, right? And I know there's like multiple protocols that are tackling this in different ways. Like you got Catalyst, you got um, Squid, and uh, you know previously there was White Whale. Um, and for us, I, I think like we still see that as one of the biggest gaps, and and so. Um, we have like a three part sort of a process in this like decentralized interchain market making or we call dim uh a module uh so on the front end we just have like this ge generic peer-to-peer -peer matching engine that matches um orders off chain and those would get settled on let's say like our own sovereign roll-up and then you'd have residual orders that need to be filled uh, and that's where we would uh build out the um the cross-chain routing using IDC. Um, and we also have uh, JIT LP vaults, or let's just say market-making vaults for simplicity, uh, which are whitelisted assets that could be used as like the next immediate line of liquidity post the cow matching uh, for any residuals. Um, and and yeah, and so we, we saw, so we see Osmosis as like a critical partner because it is the most liquid uh decks in the interchain and we would conduct a lot of our um at least to start you know osmosis does have the best swap execution and so i, I foresee a lot of the orders getting routed to the osmosis decks um, as well as for our market making vaults that would be rebalanced after a certain threshold to protect lp from impermanent loss that rebalancing would also happen on the third-party decks which you know we see as like osmosis at least in the near to midterm um and and yeah so that's sort of like what we're building and um yeah rahul could you um touch on jit a little more when i first learned about it it was actually really fascinating to me uh just could you break it down in a, in a very simple manner for the crowd yeah so essentially a user would deposit liquidity uh into let's say like actually we were thinking like the three vaults would be osmo you know stablecoin uh probably usdc uh, with USDC and let's say Adam USDC, right? You'd have these three vaults and anybody could deposit liquidity into these vaults. Uh, and then we would manage that uh, on behalf of the LPs. And when I say manage, it's not actively managing, but we would put in automated logic like uh, algorithms. Um, and so this is liquidity that would get used um, for any orders that are not matched on the account matching engine. So let's say like a, a user has, um, you know, a hundred Atom and they want to swap it for USDC. You at first you would match buyers and sellers directly in the account matching engine. And that usually has uh, historically, if you're using like Ethereum data, it's 15 to 20% gets filled, right? And then the rest 80, 85% needs to be uh, solved for. Um, and then so, if that order is a whitelisted asset, so let's say if it's like Adam, you know, USDC, then we would have a, that vault there that would act as like the next line of liquidity. Um, and it's just, it's a play on higher capital uh, efficiency. And then that vault, if, you know, if it gets, if it deviates from like, you know, let's say more than 5% one way or the other, um, then it would be rebalanced on a third party that's to retain arbitrage profits. Uh, for the LP. And this is just loss versus rebalance, uh, something that A16Z, you know, sort of first researched, uh, if I'm you know, not mistaken. Uh, and this is actualizing uh, in an interchange setting. So I think the final, most obvious question would be, what does JIT stand for? It's uh, just in time. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I think they did make a movie with that name as well, right? 
<laughs> I think so, yeah. Cool. Um, maybe, Evan, you can hop in and kind of talk about how Celestia and Shogun came to connect and w how you kind of expect that to unfold. Yeah, sure. I'm not too certain on how much uh, the... Well, I guess, Shogun, um, you guys are doing uh, what you just described, but with roll-ups as well, right? You're not just doing it with Cosmos Paint. Oh, okay, okay. So... I guess that how that works is um, with osmosis. If this is occurring on, is 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 Shogun? Hold on. Uh, is Shogun osmosis specific? Like, is it like smart contracts on osmosis? No, it would it would. Um, so part of the orders would get filled uh, or settled on our own sovereign rule, right? Um, and then residual orders would get directed and i'm using osmosis as an example because it is the most dominant decks right now right um and so yeah there would be residual orders that would get settled on the osmosis network uh, i see so okay. it's like a one inch right but for this like asynchronous network state um yeah. i see i see yeah so i'm not sure if that's a very um roll-up specific in that like you I uh that you're really focusing on the like the celestia part where celestia is using like the whole magic of celestia is that we're using light clients to verify data availability so that you don't actually have to run a celestia full node to download all that data i'm not sure if that specific portion is uh required for this um i don't know does that make any sense like what how how is Shogun using its sovereign rollup? I guess does it need to be a rollup to connect to other rollups? Um, yeah, so I guess like that's a, like, definitely a, a deeper conversation. So within Celestia for the rollup ecosystem, you know, there's shared settlement layers uh, that we would likely leverage. Uh, so actually, we were thinking of you know building uh, our um, sovereign rollup on uh, Sovereign SDK and take advantage of those aggregated ZK groups to achieve composability in that ecosystem. Uh, however, to connect, so actually we're, our version one is gonna look like we have smart contracts on Neutron and because Neutron has a direct connection to Osmosis, um, you know, we would achieve that uh, connectivity through Neutron. And then eventually we are gonna move over to our own sovereign ZK rollup using the sovereign SDK. Um, and there's like a, another ZK bridge that uh, the Neutron team is building, uh, which we would route, uh, which we would connect to the entire um, Cosmos ecosystem through. Uh, and so through Neutron's IBC infrastructure, we can um, reach other DEXs like uh, uh, Osmosis, Canto, uh, Injective, and, and others. I see. Okay. This makes sense now. So the way that Celestia fits in here is every time you verify a a ZK proof in any of these chains, you have to also verify data availability. And you can do that in multiple different ways. So you can do it like with, with in a similar fashion to IBC, where we're just trusting the Celestia validator set, which is sort of cool, but it's also kind of limiting because we're not really making use of the magic of Celestia, which is the light clients. So if we wanted to actually make use of the Celestia light clients, we can do that and we can have the validators of some chain, whether it be Neutron or Osmosis, actually run Celestia light clients. 
and when and they afford, they sort of act as like this uh, socially slashable oracle for data availability because they're running these light clients that are running data availability sampling and listening for fraud proofs, and those that data availability oracle essentially has like a very high level of security. I'm using the word oracle here, but I kind of almost don't want to because it's typically such like a bad word that we don't use. But that is functionally how it is. It's a socially slashable oracle for data availability run by the validators of a chain. And this allows for that chain to, for whenever they're, right, they're verifying a ZK proof or really any proving system. And then they're also checking that some data was included and they can do that in a very concise way using Celestia like clients and fraud proofs. And because it's, and that sort of enables us to scale with with making fewer trust assumptions. So instead of doing something like we could just use IBC, but instead of just forwarding the state proofs with each header, we actually forward the data route. But so that is that is like technically one option. And we have something like this called the, the quantum gravity bridge. So this is how we actually bridge data availability to something like the EVM, which is usually in a gas constrained environment is because is uh, we make this honest majority assumption where we verify the signatures and we sort of just stop there. We don't actually run like clients. But I, my, my understanding of what this announcement was for with uh, Celestia was that we might actually get validators to run these like clients for Celestia. Yeah, I mean, this is more for what we're doing, trying to do with Osmosis, where um, the idea, so this is kind of like this idea, uh, Maybe I can back up a little bit of like how, like what, where does mesh security go from? Like, what, how does Celestia fit into mesh, our mesh security paradigm? So, right now, every uh, like mesh security, it's designed to be an arbitrary slashing system. You can write um, any 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 sort of slasher. Uh, you can write these slasher contracts and cosmosm basically, and like. You can write arbitrary slash conditions, uh, whether it's like Oracle faults or stuff like that. The first one that we're going to start with, obviously, is just Tendermint double signs, because that's kind of what most people use slash, main slashing that we like kind of enforce today in Cosmos anyways. Um, but over time, like, you know, you want to have like some sort of like state validity proofs and stuff. And the way to do that is like, you know, I think the the roll kit stack has sort of been like, you know, they've actually been building a fraud proof system for the Cosmos SDK. And so, you know, you want to use this sort of fraud proof thing, but what makes it a little bit different than, um, so most fraud proof systems, like, you know, optimistic roll up style systems, you have to wait the challenge period before you can bridge anything, um, which is just not good UX, right? And so, we want today in cosmos like i think one of the things people like is the fact that you can bridge stuff in like a matter of seconds uh not having to wait hour-long challenge periods and so what we're kind of doing here is what we're proposing is to move towards something more you know we're calling it optimistic bridging where it's like uh you can bridge the ibc asset now but we can you can submit a fraud proof later so that way you can't reverse the ibc transfer like you know state corruption can propagate but at least it's going to be slashable so there will be a 
you know, we'll be able to slash people for creating that invalid state transition uh, after the fact. But the thing is to uh, make sure that those fraud proofs are constructible after the fact, we do at least need to block on data availability, but that that's much faster than a fraud proof window. And so the idea here would be that like, um, when you do an IBC transfer, you also uh, add a like proof saying that like, hey, it was submitted, uh, or, or what you can do is really make it, you could attach a claim that it was submitted to some data availability system like Celestia, and then we could have the osmosis validators be running uh, Celestia light clients. And then when, before they process any incoming packet on os, IBC packet on osmosis, they can verify that, yeah, hey, like we're verifying that this data is actually available on Celestia. So now by proving that like the data is available, in the future, someone can construct the fraud proof if needed. So that's kind of how, how uh, like, why we propose that like osmosis validators should be running Celestia like clients is so that we can do this uh, verification of data availability claims before accepting incoming IBC packets. Ah, I see. That's cool. Yeah. So that, that that's uh you know I will will right now we're still working on the you know V1 MVP of mesh security which is just the tenement like clients but uh you know I think moving beyond like client security to actual state machine like front like slashing is the next step for uh for mesh security as a whole so and so yeah excited to see how excited for like you know the overlap with like leveraging Celestia for this DA layer. Yeah, I always found mesh security really interesting, uh -huh. and specifically because I think like mesh security and rollups are sort of trying to address similar issues. Like I, I always find myself going back when I'm thinking about these things. It's like I had a tweet a while ago that was uh, describing like just perfect summary of like the four different levels of security of a blockchain, which I think is, if I remember correctly, is reorg resistance. And then we have censorship resistance, data availability, and validity. And the entire point of a rollup is that you defer your three, the, the first three, not validity, to the L1. And that L1 sort of, you can sort of uh, bundle all that functionality and like the reorg resistance behind one token. But then mesh security takes an entirely different approach, which is super interesting because they, they are doing like just focusing on uh, reorg resistance and now validity and now do you do you consider that it's like also attributing to data availability and censorship resistance i'm curious how you how you think about that yeah um as long as something can be as long as you can express a slashing condition then yes um now like one of the challenges with da stuff is it's kind of hard to attribute slashing conditions or like make it attributable right now in a way that you can have like slashing conditions for it, uh, at least in the way that Slashy does DA right, like or the right now. But like I, you, you can construct slashing uh, systems for like different types of slashing systems, right? Um, for DA, one of the examples is like just doing challenge games, where you know this is something I suggested to the Slashy team years ago, uh, which is that like what you should be doing is asking every every Tenderman block, every validator should get a random challenge of like, hey, tell me the bite at this random leaf in the 
in the entire like tree, uh, Merkle tree, right? And so uh, every valid, every block via vote extensions validator should have to submit their uh, like this random challenge basically. And so uh, if they fail to submit that, that could be a slashing condition and that, you know, you can verify that on chain with Cosmosm and you can slash for that. Um, for, what was the third one you said? Oh, censorship resistance. Yeah, I mean, one of the things with threshold decryption is uh, we want to make it so it's like uh, you, you should be able to have fraud proofs of like, hey, if someone shared their decryption key for a uh, transaction that wasn't actually finalized on the chain, that should be a slashable offense. Um, so yeah, we'll also add like slashing conditions for that as well. So the idea is like anything you can describe a slashing condition for will be you know, the goal of mesh security is like ma make it so economic stake is like for many places is backing all of these things as long as slashing conditions are describable and attributable. Yeah, I see. That makes sense. Yeah, the, the slashing conditions um, make sense for, for like, like it is, I think you're very right that it's like very tricky because you have to create a slashing condition that you can prove on a separate chain. Mm -hmm. And um, going back to the data availability, like the random validator sampling thing, I think we, we have thought about some of the ideas there, but like with Celestia, all the validators are downloading the block data already. So it, assuming that you that you have an honest quorum or honest half quorum, yeah, honest third, then put that sign off on a block, then that means that all of that data has been downloaded, all those validators. So I'm not, what, what, what does the, the, the random sampling add there? Uh, it gives you some guarantees of persistence of data. Right now, Celestia only guarantees that the data was downloaded once, but it's not guaranteeing that anyone's actually holding the data long-term. Uh, while oh, you give people random okay. challenges of like, hey, tell me what like this leaf of the Merkle tree was in this block, it, like, it guarantees that like they're actually holding all the data. Ah, okay. So that that does that it that is interesting, and that 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 would definitely add some sort of uh, additional checks for this long term storage. But to be clear, that doesn't actually attribute to data availability, though, does it? Because you can still attest to these things, but then also hide data. Uh, correct, correct. This is uh, proving data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, and I'll have to I'll have to think about the um, censorship resistant thing and um, chew on it for a while. That was uh, that was pretty interesting to do with the um, the encrypted mempool. I also just want to play around with more encrypted mempools. Um, one of the other things that we're trying to, what we're considering right now is moving a lot of the reward distribution logic of Osmosis off chain and distributing it via a Merkle drop. So today, um, the, you know, we have this like epoch time that like basically halts the blockchain for like minutes every day uh, in order to distribute incentives. And it's the actual distribution that's like the slow, expensive part. Um, the, and so we could actually just like stop doing that and instead uh, do some, basically move this into a sidecar process where have, have all the validators run some off-chain logic in order to distribute it. Um, they all create a Merkle tree out of the distribution. You submit it to a contract. If two-thirds of validators 
have submitted the data, the same Merkle route to the contract, then you know people can start doing a Merkle drop to claim. So anyone, if anyone like claimed their neutron airdrop, you've probably used a Merkle drop before because I believe they had a like th that whole thing where you had to like copy the thing from their website to submit it. Problem is that's actually pretty centralized because if they don't give you the Merkle tree data, then you won't actually be able to claim your airdrop. So you're kind of you know the airdrop claiming is actually quite centralized with the neutron team so what we what we cool is you know you could actually what we would want to do is actually make it so all of our validators um have to store the merkle tree and we can do these like random data challenges to them to make sure that there's they're holding the data of the merkle tree but we can also take the merkle tree data and post it on celestia so that way even if none of the validators are um like giving you the merkle tree data in order to claim your your uh rewards you can always you, you can fetch the data you can get the data from Celestia instead uh, in order to get, you know, claim your, your your incentive awards. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So that, that's another case where it's like, oh, we can make it so, you know, if, if we, we can have our validators run a Celestia node, so it's like, okay, we, we, we don't trigger the uh, airdrop starting until we can also get, or the Merkle drop starting until we can guarantee that like, hey, uh, proof that, hey, this the, the actual Merkle tree data was included on Celestia. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Is, is Osmosis ever planning on becoming like a, I don't know, I don't want to use the term settlement layer because apparently that's a dirty word now too, uh, like a like a bridge to rollups? Um, a bridge to rollups is definitely something we are working on. So this is something that, this is sort of the other, sort of thing we announced at Modular Summit was that we're going to be adding Hyperlane to Osmosis. Uh, and so this kind of, you know, what we're trying to do here is actually provide this bridge between, you know, the Celestia main. So the, a lot of these rollups need TIA in order to like pay for their DA. Um, and the right now, the only way of getting, there's no way of getting TIA onto these rollups because most of these rollup stacks don't support IBC yet, uh, while the Celestia chain only supports IBC and has not, no other uh, bridging mechanism on it. So, uh, you know, what we're working on with like, uh, you know, Celestia team, as well as like some of these rollup projects is like, hey, make the canonical way of getting TIA onto these rollup is you IBC it to osmosis, and then you hyperlane it to a lot of these like OP stack or roll kit based uh, rollups. So, yeah, you know, in that in that sense, yes, we are acting as a bridging uh, hub for Tia to the for for like the Celestia ecosystem. But whether what what does it mean for us to be a settlement layer? Um, like maybe uh, if there's people who want to build rollups to uh, settle on Osmosis, then great. Like if they have like a specific application that they want and they really want it to be settled on Osmosis for some reason. They're they're welcome to do that. Uh, I do think this like notion of everyone like just building a settlement layer for the purpose of building a settlement layer and then like having roll up stacks on top of it, like you know, uh, not to call out names, but like hey, you know, building generalized VMs roll ups to settle. To, that's a scalability thing. Maybe have some apps and usage on your like base chain before you even start thinking about. Uh, do you need to like scale by having rollups settle to you? Oh well. 
I kind of feel bad. I don't want to hog up the, uh, the time. <laughs> no, no, no. Thanks for that. It was a good discussion, though. I'm happy to, happy we were able to like sort of give a recap of some of the stuff we talked about at Modular Summit. By the way, great, great event, great event. Um, so I, maybe let's let's, uh, let's let's loop back a little bit to Shogun here. Um, so what for for you guys? Like, how does where's like the order flow going to come from? So you you guys are basically like kind of acting like this cow swap for um, like uh, this interchain ecosystem. But where do you, where are you, what is your strategy for how you get the order flow? Is it, are you guys building your own front end? Are you going to like building an API and you're going to go try to get integrated into like other people's front ends, into wallets, et cetera? What is the strategy there? Yeah, I think um, so like the wallet, integrations come later, but in the beginning, it's going to sort of be our own uh, front end. So yeah, our version one is going to look like we have um, smart contracts on Neutron um, and yeah, we'll have our own front end and we would have to sort of um, bootstrap that um, through like uh, token incentivized, uh, you know, uh, orders where we would maybe hand out some of the, the gun token uh, to incentivize the early user. Um, and then and then yeah, and then so that those orders would get settled on Neutron in the beginning, um, and then any residuals would get routed to let's say Osmosis. And then once uh, Celestia is live in, in a few months, um, and then you know as we sort of keep abreast with the Sovereign SDK, we would eventually move over to our own um, Sovereign rollup and uh, continue to sort of you know stay connected to uh, uh, Cosmos. Either I think you guys mentioned like you could, there's probably even ways now to do uh, a direct connection with Osmosis, um, but yeah, like uh, right now, like the uh, the roadmap looks like we would use this zk bridge um, and route or just through Neutron and then through Neutron to the rest of the um, interchain. Cool. Um, yes, maybe now we can we should probably open it up to the audience. If anyone has any questions, feel free to raise your hand and come up. I do think we could clarify a few things that were like um, circling on the platforms. I think yesterday with like someone saying that Osmosis team is working with Say directly or collaborating or something. Um, given the uh, canonical atom over on Say is all through the routing of Osmosis. So, Sonny, can you talk on that? Is that the case or is that not the case? That is, uh, that was a. Uh... This was not a coordinated thing. We we have always urged everyone to do direct point-to-point -point IBC connections. That's I think that is the right way for Cosmos uh, scale like to scale. Um, so no, that was not on purpose. Uh, I don't know why they chose to do that, but if that's uh... was that them that did it um, from the get go, or was just some random person that did it? No, I think it's their airdrop site is the one that, like, their dashboard is the one that urges you to IBC Atom directly to Osmosis. I don't know if it's because they didn't realize that that's the wrong way of doing it, or they did it on purpose. I don't know. There's a lot of things in the, say, launch that were a little messy, like the, 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 the DNOM fee for the token factory, like the token creation fee is in Osmo because I think they just forked it from our repo. So I don't know if it was a mistake or on purpose that they did the direct uh, or the multi-hop or not. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, and then the other question going around was the whole balancer V2 thing. Um, does that have any relation to osmosis or is that entirely separate and not actually uh, relatable? No, no, it, this is completely separate. Uh, I like, yes, if you go on the osmosis readme, it says balancer inspired uh, because the original version of osmosis's AMMs were very balancer inspired, but you know, there's no code overlap, nothing like that. So there's no bugs. The, the, the current situation in balancer is completely unrelated and to osmosis today. Good. Thank you for clarifying those things. Uh, if we don't have any questions popping up, thank you, Evan, Marcus, Rahul, for coming on and speaking today. My pleasure. I do. I do have a fun idea. If anyone, if anyone is curious, uh, with with Shogun, have you guys ever thought about trying to make a rollup? Like you, like you said, you might you might do a, a sovereign rollup, and presumably that order flow would go through like the normal rollup system. But I'm curious if you guys have ever thought or gone through the thought experiments of what if you just made your order flow on Celestia? Like you don't actually produce blocks, you just post order flow and you sort of build blocks after the fact. Could, could, you, uh, could you elaborate on that, uh, Evan? Yeah, yeah. So um, normally we build a block and then we come to consensus over it. So now you have to handle all of this order flow sort of in that, in that block building process. But what we can do in an alternative world or an alternative construction is we actually we come to consensus over an unbuilt block and then we build it after the fact, deterministically. Oh, so it's kind of like uh, like Suave chain, if I'm not mistaken. Like we have a global builder, and then you sort of send that out, send that bundle out to be solved for on within the rollup ecosystem. Kind of. Uh, Suave doesn't. Uh, well, I'm not hyper familiar with what with Suave's construction, yeah. but my understanding of it is just like a TEE builder. So I guess some of it would be deterministic. I'm not entirely sure. I know you have to follow some rules specified by the user. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly intriguing. We can uh, chat more about that offline, uh, but I, I can- Yeah, I yeah, yeah okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to, like, didn't mean to derail the, the conversation. No, uh, I, I sort of just get distracted easily. My bad. <laughs> no worries, but no, that certainly sounds interesting. And if it's yeah, we can certainly explore the feasibility of it. Um, and it, it just it sounds very similar to like a global builder system um, that that Slav has, and that's just like kind of like my only benchmark. Um, but yeah, I'd love to explore that offline with you. All right, well, um, fun idea. Well, uh, we will talk with you guys in the channels as we continue to coordinate. And thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. Thank you, Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right. See everyone. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality, stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments, red down days. Got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear Flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting nottas And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never
never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Bond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary fall Motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse, misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Tim Spaces.